Previously on Mona's Isle. It's going to be like this the whole trip, isn't it? He's going to go on about all Mum's stories about Mananan and the fairies and all that rubbish. They're not rubbish, and you know they're not called fairies. Why is it you're coming to our little island? We're going to stay with our my Granny Mona. Then you better be telling your Granny Mona this. There's a storm coming, boy. I can feel it. It'll be just in time for Parish Day, I'd reckon. Internet? Why would you do that? Maybe to talk to my friends? Oh, grow up, Rory. Your brother's three years younger than you and you don't see him acting up like this, do you? Yeah. Well, maybe Ashley's okay with not talking to his friends because he doesn't have any. You've been awful quiet, Ashley. You feeling okay? I want Rory to be my friend. She still is, Ashley. She's just a bit lost. We'll have ourselves a lovely day tomorrow. Don't you fret. Eve I, Ashley. Ashley had been trying to get to sleep for hours. He'd shut his eyes as tightly as he could, but his spiralling thoughts left him lying there in a sleepless daze. He always found it hard to sleep in a bed that wasn't his own. The sheets felt scratchy, and there was a cold draught coming in from the window. The sounds were all different too. He was used to the gentle lull of cars and lorries passing in the night, but here it was almost silent, other than the ceaseless lapping of waves. Out of nowhere, there was a creak. Ashley kept his eyes shut. He stayed tucked up in the bed, convincing himself it was nothing to panic about. Granny's house was old, and old houses made weird noises. But then there came a crunch. This time he couldn't ignore it. Something was moving about. It was probably the cat prowling through the stack of boxes for somewhere to sleep. Cats liked cardboard boxes, didn't they? A great crash rocked the room. His eyes jolted open to see a stack of boxes had been pushed over, scattering their contents all over the bedroom floor. There was a quiet scampering sound as something ran to hide under the dresser, pulling the roof of his blanket fort with it as it went. Before Ashley had a chance to wonder what exactly the daft cat was doing, he noticed something odd. Something so odd, in fact, that he could hardly believe he hadn't noticed it earlier. Streaming in from the window above the bed was the rich, warm light of a sunny summer's morning. Mona's Isle. You're listening to Mona's Isle, a bewitching tale of adventure and folklore told by me, Kyle Withington, and a host of the Isle of Man's finest actors. So settle in for the Manx myths, mystery and magic set to unfold. This is episode six, Evi. Ashley looked around in disbelief. Granny had left a small clock on the dresser the hands read five minutes to twelve. How could it be nearly midday? He felt groggy, and it took all the willpower he could muster to get himself up from the bed. He swung his legs around to dangle off the mattress, and disturbed specks of dust danced about in the golden light. 
It was pretty clear that the room hadn't been given a proper clean in years. He looked for some clothes to put on. Everything in his case was a big strewn-up mess. Nothing like how he'd packed it. For some reason, all his neatly balled-up socks had been separated. He gave up on finding a matching pair and just picked out the first two he laid his hands on. One had a dinosaur on it, and the other was patterned with doughnuts. It looked a bit silly, but it would have to do. He got the rest of his clothes on, fastened down the straps on his trainers, and opened the bedroom door to go down to see the others. On the other side of the door, the landing was in complete darkness. It wasn't just the dingy skylight overhead. He could hardly make out the banister rail at all. Back in the bedroom, the sunshine on the far side of the room was also falling away into shadow. Not the kind of shadow you get when the sun goes behind a cloud. This was deeper and colder. It slowly crept its way toward him, spilling over the heap of blankets, the dresser and every little crevasse of the room. He followed it to the window over the bed. Pulling aside one of the curtains, he was hit by a harsh tungsten glare. It wasn't midday at all. The room was bathed in the light from the lighthouse down on the cliff. Its beam was circling around the headland and keeping ships safe out on the midnight sea. Looking closer, Ashley caught something moving in the light. At first, it was just a foggy blur, crossing back and forth through the beam. But for a second, it held still, casting the shadow of a man onto the wall behind him. He stood out on the gallery walk, hands clasped tightly to the railings in front of the great lens. A long raincoat billowed wildly behind him. He looked just like... the man from the boat. Ashley fumbled with the latch on the old window and opened it wide. A second crash came from the great stack of cardboard boxes. Soon after, there was another scampering sound, and without warning, something leapt onto the bed, making Ashley jump. It wasn't the cat at all, though it was about the same height. It looked like a little old man, with a beard so long it trailed along the ground like a tail. He wasn't sure what he was looking at, but then he saw what the creature was carrying. Under each of its arms were two great piles of socks. Among them were dinosaurs, donuts, and one of every other pair he'd packed for the trip too. It was even using one of his red trainer liners as a floppy cap. Granny was right. It was one of the fairy folk. He was being robbed by themselves. The little old man locked eyes with him. They're my socks. Give them back. The creature sneered as it climbed off the bed and onto the windowsill. It stood at the very edge of the open window, holding on tightly to its loot. It bent its knobbly knees and prepared to jump. Ashley wasn't sure what possessed him to do what he did next. Perhaps, after a whole day of being ignored, told off and poked fun at, he was down to his final straw. He took a deep breath through his nose and realised he was feeling really quite angry. I said, give those back, you little thief! He threw himself at the creature, grabbing hold of the trailing beard as it attempted to leap out over the treacherous rocks below. 
he yanked it back from the ledge and tried to grab as many of his socks back as he could. But the creature put up a fight, pushing back against Ashley's face with its powerful feet. In a deft maneuver, Ashley managed to pluck the red trainer liner from the creature's head, revealing a shimmering bald patch below. It lashed back, tearing into Ashley's top with its surprisingly sharp fingernails. The scrap was getting heated, and Ashley was suddenly very worried he was out of his depth. It seemed his bearded opponent was more ferocious than he'd anticipated. He was struggling to see what he was doing, as the ever-rotating beam from the lighthouse had now left the bedroom window behind. The room should once again have been shrouded in shadow, but instead, it was glowing. The creature looked as perplexed as Ashley did. The fight was put on hold as they both tried to work out what was happening. All sorts of items were now scattered across the floor, but in the darkness, one was standing out from the rest. From the bed, it looked like a pebble, and was probably no larger than a 50 pence piece, but curiously, it was filled with a swirling emerald light. Something about it was oddly familiar. The creature looked spellbound. It let go of all the socks it was carrying and jumped off the bed in pursuit of the strange stone. Ashley suddenly remembered where he'd seen it before. It wasn't a stone at all, but a necklace. The same necklace his mum was wearing in the Parish Day photograph. It must have been packed away with all the things from her old bedroom. He leapt after it. The creature could steal all the socks it liked, but there was no chance he was taking anything that belonged to his mum. It managed to get to the pebble first and held it up by the long string. It swung from the creature's clenched fist for just a second before Ashley's outstretched hand swept in and grabbed on tight to the glowing stone. As soon as he touched the necklace, the world began to change around him, and in the blink of an eye, he had no idea where he was. He'd expected to land with a thud on the bedroom floorboards, but he just kept on falling. The cold midnight gloom cracked at the seams, and there was a whooshing noise as those cracks became branches, each filled with leaves. A soft breeze brushed by his face just as his back hit the ground. There was a soft snapping sound beneath him. Although he'd taken quite the tumble, something soft had cushioned his fall. It was spongy, but not like a cushion or a mattress. On closer inspection, he seemed to be sat in the midst of tree roots on the bank of a fast-flowing river. Surrounding him were the moss-caked trunks of countless towering beech trees, and the leaf canopy above was stenciling great beams of the late afternoon sun, which were pouring through like strands of dried spaghetti from a packet. To his left was a ruined old wall. Its original white paint had mostly peeled away, 
and deep green vines with purple-flecked flowers had sewn their way through an opening that must once have been an upstairs window. It looked like an old mill, or an engine house of sorts, as hanging away from the wall was a big wooden water wheel. It had clearly once been driven by the waterfall above, but having come free from its axle, it now sat motionless at the side of the river channel, anchored down under its own weight against the onslaught of whooshing water. His mind started racing. Where was he? Why was it daytime? Was he dreaming? A good pinch on the arm felt like a fairly straightforward way to answer at least the last of these three questions. The pain was as sharp as it always felt when he was awake, and so his thoughts churned on. None of it added up. Had the necklace sent him here? Was this some sort of magic? Why would his mum have a magic necklace? He took a deep breath. After a pause to calm himself, he got to his feet and brushed off the worst of the fall. Whatever had happened, it didn't seem that the bearded creature had followed him. This was a relief, but did probably mean it was still back at Granny's getting away with all his socks. That now seemed to be far from the worst of his issues. What would Dad say when he came to wake him up in the morning? The bedroom looked like it had been ransacked. Clothes from his bag had been thrown all over the place. His dad would think he'd been attacked or kidnapped. If the necklace had taken him to this wood, then it must be able to get him back as well. He turned out all of his pockets. It wasn't there. Had he dropped it as he fell? He counted to ten. His mum used to tell him to do that whenever he got overwhelmed. They help make problems feel a little bit smaller. If he'd dropped it, then it couldn't have gone far. He began methodically sweeping the ferns and bracken out of the way and sifted his hands through the squidgy, damp undergrowth. He pulled up the odd stone and the occasional snail, but there were no emerald pendants. He worked his way to the tumble-down wall by the water wheel, but it seemed useless. Was he going to have to survive on his own in this forgotten wood? There was a thump in the distance. A drift of frenzied swifts took flight a short way beyond the river. Then came a crack. Someone was out there. Hello? There was no reply. Whoever it was, they were clearly too far away to hear him over the rushing water from the falls. He was going to have to get closer. He worked his way back through the ferns to get a better look at the river. There, beyond a short slip of rocky bank, was a narrower section of the river channel. Right at its centre was a big, mossy rock, carving the water in two just before it fell into the pool below. It didn't look that far. At a stretch, if he could make the leap to the rock and to the other side. He started carefully working his way down to the water's edge, but after only a few nervous steps, he slipped onto his bum and skidded the rest of the way through the undergrowth on his hands and heels. Though they may have looked the part, his trainers really weren't designed for this kind of terrain. The space they required to house all the wires and batteries for the flashing lights meant the soles sported about as much grip as a wet bar of soap. He got up and tried to collect his nerves. 
Rocks were stuck out of the turbulent pool at the base of the falls, and the water sounded ferocious. He wasn't sure this was a good idea after all. Deciding there was no other option, he put aside how dangerous the stunt was going to be and charged at full pelt toward the river. He launched toward the rock and made it. But beneath the moss, it had been worn smooth by the rushing water. His trainers flared wildly with garish neon colours, but barely made any contact with the stone. The more he pushed his foot down to make the final stretch for the other side, the more his legs slipped away behind him. Tumbling forward, his t-shirt snagged on a stray branch, and he landed face first in the dirt on the other side. Ashley lifted his face and wiped the dirt smudges from his glasses with the hem of his torn top. This side of the river seemed quite different. Instead of moss and ferns, there was a thick blanket of bluebells. Thousands, if not millions of them, stretched out in all direction beneath the trees. He wanted to head straight across the flowers to follow the direction of the sound, but it seemed wrong to step on them. Soon enough, he came across a narrow path. It hugged to the riverbank and then cut deeper into the woods. A short way ahead of him, a tree lay on its side, with branches still fresh with leaves now stretched along the ground like one great wavy hedge. He worked his way around it, soon finding a mound of earth that had been dredged up into the air by the roots as the tree had fallen. Beneath it was a big, round hollow, and peering through the knotted roots, he saw a man. Ah. When he stood up straight, he was about as tall and thin as most of the tree's branches. Sat at his feet was one of the longer branches, now cut away from the fallen tree. From it, he looked to be collecting logs and loading them neatly into a small wooden cart. In one powerful sweep, his arms rose and fell, sending an axe blade down into the bark and frightening more swifts from the surrounding trees. Ashley was pretty sure you weren't allowed to go around chopping down trees, but he didn't fancy telling the man that. That said, his dad also told him that you shouldn't take shells from beaches, but no one seemed too bothered when people brought them into school for show and tell. So far, the woodcutter had been facing the other way. Looking closer, there seemed to be something quite odd about him. At first, Ashley had just assumed that he had very long brown hair that trailed in long strands. But when he got a better glimpse, he could see that the hair continued all the way down his back, falling not just from his head, but his shoulders, arms, and even his legs too. The whole man was covered in hair, from the tip of his head right down to his... hooves? Ashley staggered backwards in astonishment. He felt a soft crunching underfoot. Lifting a trainer, he could see a bluebell, squashed and withered in the dirt. The hairy creature stopped cutting. His head spun around, revealing a face with a brown mane so long and thick he looked to be drowning in it. Cutting through were two fiery yellow eyes that narrowed into a suspicious scowl. He turned his back, trying to calm the pounding in his chest, but it was no use. It just got louder 
and louder with the sound of the creature's hooves trampling toward him. He needed to hide. Every few steps, the beast took a deep sniff and then harshly cleared its nostrils. Not knowing what else to do, Ashley jumped into the hollow at the foot of the uprooted tree. Glimpsing nervously over the brow of the ditch, he saw the beast pass through the blanket of bluebells, which politely parted with every step that he took. It knelt down and ran a bony finger over the smushed petals of the bluebell he'd trodden on. It snarled. <clears throat> what had he done? The dirt below Ashley's foot was loose. It crumbled away and his trainer hit something hard, lighting the hollow with flashes of yellow, red and green. The beast's joints cracked as it rose to its feet. Ashley gulped. Sheepishly, he looked up and saw it towering over him. Its hair was bristled, its yellow eyes burning. Without so much as a second thought, Ashley clambered out of the hollow and ran. His heart hammered and his exhausted lungs heaved, and he didn't dare look over his shoulder to see if the beast was following him. The creature had a powerful enough nose to sniff him out. That much was clear, so he needed somewhere good to hide. The only place he could think of was the old watermill. With no time to follow the delicate winding path, he cut his way straight through the carpet of bluebells, carving a fresh track of trampled stems between the trees. With each new crunch, the creature snarled louder. Square! Oh! Square! Ashley made it back to the river and leapt out over the channel, hoping for the best. His foot hit the mossy rock in the middle and he pushed off it with everything he had to give. As he landed in the water just short of the bank on the other side, he whacked his leg on a rock and grabbed hold of a stray tree root to pull himself up onto dry ground. His knee throbbed as he hobbled up the bank and through the ferns to the wall of the old mill. He caught hold of a vine, trailing down the wall, and using the worn gaps between the slates as footholds, he hoisted himself up toward the opening where the upstairs window would once have sat. The vine took his weight, but the slates were old and brittle. One split under his right foot, and he clung to the vine tightly as he could and was swung out haplessly over the broken water wheel. The creature stood on the opposite bank, looking for a way to cross. Not annoying, ditch. With one long stride, its hoof came down on the mossy rock in the channel, but it sank under its weight. With a mighty crack, it came loose. Hey! It aimed bony fingers toward him and caught hold of the vine, tearing it away from the wall. <clears throat> Ashley's stomach lurched as he went plummeting into the pool below. A patch of sunlight shimmering up at the surface was getting fainter and further away. The creature pulled on the vine from below, grabbing hold of his ankle. He yelped and watched as bubbles danced up to the surface, each one filled with a wasted breath. A muffled shout came from above. The bubbles cleared to reveal a girl in a tattered pinafore dress diving toward him. Wild strands of nut-brown hair swirled around her face and her outstretched hand. Ashley grabbed onto it tightly, and as quickly as they'd appeared, the pool, the beast, and the girl in the pinafore dress 
all fizzled away. You've been listening to Mona's Isle. To get in touch or learn more about the magic, myths, and making of the podcast, go to monasisle.im or find us on Instagram at monasisle. Subscribe to join us next time as the adventure continues in Episode 7, King Ori. This episode of the Monas Isle podcast was created by me, Kyle Withington, with the support of the Isle of Man Arts Council and Culture Vannin. It features an original score by David Kilgallen. The podcast is produced and edited by Catherine Thornley and Joseph Maddock, and recorded by David Armstrong and Lewis Withington. The characters in this episode were voiced by Joseph Jennings and David Artis. Thank you for listening, and the full show notes are available on our website. Sorry.